You are listening to the Super Freak Media Podcast Network. If you like this podcast, please be sure to show your support and follow us on our other social media platforms. Check out the links listed in the description of this episode to find out more. Thank you. Right, here we go. I want to put <laughs> Kelly Rowland in this film and call it Destiny's Child's Play. Imagine, imagine a, a Child's Play musical set to the music of Destiny's Child. And, yeah. <laughs> Episode three of the Their Queer podcast, a podcast where two homos called Liam discuss all things horror and gay and bright and shit like that. Anyway, <laughs> hi. <laughs> that was a long one. That, yeah, well, I'm never opposed to a long one. What's your profanity? Neither. <laughs> oh, sorry about that. I was um, I was looking for something that was in my hand, so we're already off to a great start there. <laughs> Take that as you will. Can you not be gay for five minutes? <laughs> Getting old now. Anyway, hi. It's been, um, this month seems like it's dragged. It's been 84 years. It's been a little while. I think spooky season as a whole is just a whole thing to get through and enjoy, but to also yeah. get through. <laughs> well, how was uh, how have you been since we last spoke? Uh, very busy, uh, I will mm. say. Pretty much the whole month was, was chock-a-block. I think on the last podcast, I spoke about the fact that we'd been shooting um, stuff and then we had the short film that we were we were putting out, which has gone out, so we did mm. manage it. But I have no qualms in admitting the fact that we were shooting the day before Halloween, like the last <laughs> pickups. So um, I don't well, think it I... looks and sounds great. Oh, thank you. It was a challenge, uh, but we got there. And uh, yeah, the reception seems really good so far from people. We've had a couple of reaction videos, which are absolutely hilarious. Um, <laughs> and uh, our lead actress as well has also had a few people slide into her DMs because <laughs> she apparently looks thick as f***. <laughs> so, Damn, girl. I was like, yeah, just take take that, take that. You've made it to the big leagues now. I, I, I mean, I was literally editing until probably about four on Halloween. And then we posted the, the film at 5.30. <laughs> so in that time when it was being uploaded... We ha- we started getting trick or treaters, and I hadn't decorated outside yet. So then I needed to decorate outside. My other half helped me like rapidly carve some pumpkins. <laughs> but we made it. Like I've never been in a place where there's been so many trick or treaters. Like we ran out of candy. Oh, like oh my day. An hour and a half in, so I had to go to the shop then, and then. Um, get some more sweets for the kids and then lo and behold none of them turned up so then oh. i just have a bowl of sweets now which is which is great so yeah living... <laughs> i've just been handing out like oh here's a square of toilet paper <laughs> literally it got to the point where i <laughs> this is how tight we were i opened a multi-pack of chewets <laughs> was like, just take one chew it because yeah there was like gangs of them coming it was uh it was insane but it was nice to do it again because obviously covid was a thing last year go outside don't go outside it was good to to see 
like people enjoying themselves again at Halloween. But you looked like you had an amazing time uh, at oh, Halloween. I so really did. how have you been? What have you been up to? Yeah, I've been good. Uh, I've been busy with work. Um, yeah. On ha- The day before Halloween, I was at a party dressed as Juno Burke. Oh, it's absolutely stunning. <laughs> Loved everything about it. Got drunk, but not drunk to the point where I was like horribly hungover the next day, which... I- that's like is, the the yeah. sweet spot, isn't it? When you you get drunk enough to have a good time, but the next mm. day you can still function as a human. <laughs> and I didn't take my wig or costume off at any point during the night. In fact, at wow. one point, it was about an hour after most people had left and everything was wrapping up. The only thing I did was went and changed the dress. And I just got into a pair of trackies. I still had the wig, the makeup, and the long fur coat on. So. I thought you were going to say I just got into a comfier dress. <laughs> I was <laughs> like, "What?" Um, your costume was absolutely killer, though. Like I knew who you were straight away, and I absolutely freaking loved Juno Birch. So Me too. you did, I, um, you did very well. Juno's probably my favourite drag performer outside of uh, Jackie B. I'm obsessed with Juno Birch. They're incredible. If somehow she's listening, and I'll just tag her in it on. Um, I want her to know how much I love her and I think she's absolutely stunning and gorgeous and if we ever do Mars attacks I'd quite like to get her on oh my god can you imagine that would be ace that would be Mm -hmm. so good (laughs) but also um, since we've last seen each other um, I've watched quite a lot of horror films and uh, the big one was Halloween Kills. Oh my god! Which I know we were both really looking forward to. So I thought maybe before we get into you know before we yeah. get into the Child's Play franchise, we talk about Halloween Kills and our thoughts on it. Yeah, brief interlude into the uh, the world of the Strode family and uh, their generational struggle with Michael Myers. Their generational trauma. <laughs> it's a movie about trauma. It's a movie about trauma. And the movie is about trauma. Honestly, I I love Jamie Lee Curtis, but. You know when she was doing the press for the Halloween 2018? <laughs> it reminded me of Lady Gaga. Yeah, 99 <laughs> people. In- <laughs> I, knew, I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was just like, surely someone's behind the camera just going, Jamie, 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 it's trauma, not trauma. <laughs> no, to be honest, she can say whatever she yeah. wants. This is, yeah, this is true. Absolutely. Especially, um, so... Jumping straight into it, I think this was one of my favourite Jamie Lee Curtis performances. She didn't have as much screen time in this one as the others, but um, it's full spoilers ahead for Halloween Kills. If you haven't seen it, that's on you. Um, (laughs) You've been warned. (laughs) Um, But yeah, um, the scene between her and, is it Frank, in the hospital... Oh my god! I don't know what it that really tug on my heartstrings, and there was just a subtlety to that scene that I was like, "Ooh, I was eating it up." I think um, I watched an interview with her because she she's very much obviously a person. I think this is what I appreciate when actors treat horror films with, I think, the seriousness and and the amount of thought that they deserve. She said how they'd spoken like behind the scenes about this whole backstory that maybe Mm -hmm. he was Karen's father and they'd had like a one night stand or something or because of what she'd been through she didn't let herself get close to anyone but if if Michael Myers hadn't been a thing she might have ended up with this guy and I thought it was it was a really nice little touch to see a bit more of a of a human side to 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 Laurie um, because I think she's almost in some ways become like a Sarah Connor style character Mm -hmm. where 
she's Absolutely. supposed to be as almost immortal and 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 I don't know as strong as as Michael is in many ways. And I think it was a very sensible decision to keep her in the hospital and this not Absolutely. be her against him because that needs to be, I think, what Halloween ends is obviously. So yes. I will be honest. I think I wanted to see a bit more of her and I wouldn't have minded mm-hmm. if there was like at least a bit of them going up against each other. But then yeah. at the same time, there was this part of me that was like, well, this is real. She, she was stabbed in the stomach. So yeah. And the surgery as well. Like I love when they show yeah. like Reason. how gritty and real it would be because there's nothing worse than however much I love the Scream franchise. It always stands out to me that Sydney Prescott probably gets stabbed a shit ton but then kind of just carries on (laughs) and you're like um i don't think that would be the case um but i don't know i think it was most we got to see in that was in scream four when she's in the hospital bed but other than that it's like yeah do you know what i mean it's like it's like she's she's i don't know it just kind of deflects off of her somehow (laughs) or something um but yeah i i don't know if if i was gonna I think, you know, going into this film, I had obviously very high expectations because we'd waited so long for it. Yeah. And I'm not going to lie, when I watched the 2018 film, I left initially quite disappointed. Like, I didn't really Mm. like it bar the last 15 minutes or so. Like, I thought that that was, like, this is incredible. Um, And I liked all the little throwbacks and nods and stuff, but I wanted it to be a bit more. And I think we definitely got a lot more in terms of Michael being absolutely brutal in this one. Oh, this was the the scare. Like, well, I, no, actually, I think the 2018 for me was the scariest Michael. Mm. But I think um, Halloween Kills Michael's the most brutal yeah. I've ever. Straight oh, up it's, savage, like from the opening. I will say, the though, I do want to have a word with whoever edits the trailers for these films and giving too much away, because the, the fireman scene... Mm. If they hadn't shown as much as that in the trailer as they did, my yeah. mouth would have been, like, my jaw would have been on the floor seeing that. Yeah, I, I think that the sad thing was, and I mean, I suppose it would have been interesting to see if it had have been released last year as intended, if the marketing team would have had to have given so much away, because I understand yeah. they had to keep drip feeding like yeah. us they, to keep us happy. They had to rebuild the hype, didn't they? They had to get that yeah. momentum. And I think when that... that after the teasers, the initial teasers had dropped and we knew that we were getting it this Halloween instead. When we then got that trailer, don't get me wrong, I, I must have watched it like an insane amount of times because I was yeah. just like, holy shit, this is insane. But it gave away like a, a good percentage of the kills. And the problem was, was that, you know, when you were kind of going into it, I think there was probably only about two or three characters, maybe maybe more that like I wasn't too too sure what their fate would be at, by yeah. the end of the film and like you don't want that especially when the kill count is so high like mm-hmm. you literally saw that pretty much everyone was going to get it so it yeah. was a it was a bit of a shame what do you think though interestingly uh, about that petition that went around about um oh my days the, well there was two wasn't there there was the firefighters obviously they were like you can't kill firefighters which, and then Michael's homophobic and then no. Michael being homophobic no I love an equal opportunities kill <laughs> I love it I mean I think it was actually quite sweet that he, he put the music on he positioned yeah. the gay couple's bodies to Together. I thought it was love. I, th- I think yeah. Michael's an ally. Gay rights. Yeah. Gay rights. I think he is. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Why, why not? Michael can march next to me at Pride. <laughs> 
absolutely. <laughs> Slicing and dousing the house down, boots, mama. <laughs> <laughs> I think the stuff at the hospital I didn't really love. Evil dies tonight! Like, I get what they were going um, for. Evil dies tonight! Um, but it was a bit... Evil dies tonight! I think the crowd scenes and all that was where it really struggled. Yeah, um, I, I agree. I will say, though, Judy Greer in that film was on another level. Because mm. um, we didn't really see much of her character in... Well, we did, but as mm. much as I would have liked um, in the 2018 film. But in this one, I feel like this was Judy's yeah. movie. And it, her fate's been mm. left open. I, I, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, I think <laughs> I, I loved the 2018 film because of her scene, like the bit where she pretended that mm -hmm. she was like in peril and then shot Michael and that oh whole God. thing. Like, I, I, I've just literally just got goosebumps thinking I, I, about that every time I watch it. It's incredible. Like it was such a smart, <clears throat> smart move. And it made sense because up until that point, I felt like she was very one dimensional and just kind of opposing everything Laurie was saying yeah. for no reason. Because I'm thinking, well, if, if you know it's real, you know that that there's maybe yeah. something to worry about but um yeah so i was excited to see where she'd go in this film and i do think yeah it was it was more her film and i think they're obviously they're talking about passing the torch more now um mm -hmm. obviously onto like the younger generations of it which is fine but yeah i i was not a fan of that ending uh at all um what got me about the ending is when i liked when michael became human for a little bit and everybody yeah. was attacking him and I thought oh shit this is this is dark yeah. well, how's he how's he gonna but then when it turned into like turned into Jason X where he became like uber Michael it's ridiculous absolutely Again. ridiculous I think the thing that made him stay stand apart from the other villains that we have out there like Jason Freddy even some of the older iterations of Michael mm -hmm. was the fact that you believed he was just this old guy completely yeah. driven by psychopathic like thoughts and tendencies and mm -hmm. just wanted to kill and you believed it up until the point in which obviously yeah the, pretty much the whole town was like slashing at him and you're like well there's yeah. no way he'd survive um, and I mean David Gordon Green the director um, is still insisting that he's not supernatural and I don't really get how because yeah. I'm sure like I, I've rewatched that ending in particular when Karen walks into that bedroom and looks out uh, obviously uh, of the window like, he's fully not there at all. No. And then he just appears. And I get mm. that he's, like, silent and slinks about and all of that. But uh, I don't know. I think that was a step too far. And I think her death, spoiling that, sorry, um, was very just added in. Like, And I think it did come late in the process, didn't it? Yeah. Uh, I, um, I don't think she's dead. Hmm. I'd like to think that she's. In. <laughs> I don't want her to be dead. Because <laughs> I mean, Hawkins looked pretty dead from the 2018 film. Like he had his throat yeah. slashed and then was run over, but then he seems <laughs> fine. So um, I don't know. What but did they... you think of um, um, seeing a little bit more Loomis? <laughs> oh my lord! When I tell you that I spaffed everywhere when that yeah. happened, like. There, honestly, I would be more than happy for there just to be a whole film of that sort of thing, even yeah. if it's kind of like side characters and we see hints of like young Laurie and we see hints of Loomis and all of that. Like, I think they nailed it. And when I've, I've watched the film with other people and even obviously when I first watched it, the bits that probably scared me the most in this 
Halloween Kills was the bits when it was set back in 78. I thought yeah. that, that looked spot on as well. Like It was incredible. I, I literally was like, oh, this must be like deleted footage yes. or something like that. But it was only, there was one actor who played the young Corkins and I was like, oh, I've seen him in yeah. something before. That's the only thing that threw me took, out of took it. Took you out of it a bit, yeah. Mm. No, but, I, I um, agree. But it yeah. was it was generally spot on, and that it just I didn't enjoy it as much as 2018 because I I've loved, uh, the moment I came out of the cinema from the 2018 Halloween I was like I, if I could do cartwheels I'd have been doing that. <laughs> um, yeah. But the one thing that got me the most in the in Halloween Kills is oh the music was I mean the music oh. in in most Halloween yeah. films are, are spot on, but the music in this one in particular um, I, the the new version of the theme oh, is just absolutely gorgeous. It's killer, isn't it? I mean, um, mm-hmm. yeah, they, they've definitely... I think that's why I think horror fans struggle to have a bad thing to say about it, even though I think on the face of it, this film was kind of dumb in a lot of ways and did a lot of the things that horror fans are constantly trying to convince other people that we're not all about this. But yeah. I, and I mean... I guess it was a middle part of a trilogy, so it was never going to be its... It wasn't going to be an Oscar-winning film, but I think, yeah, the way that they've got Carpenter involved, the way that there's the legacy cast have kind of come back, yeah. it's... It was hard not to like it, I think. If you're truly a fan of Halloween, then you're going to like that film. Put a pin in that, because I have notes upon notes upon notes about the Child's Play franchise. Hi, I'm Chucky, and I'm your friend to the end. Heidi Ho! <laughs> yeah, so Which we've, we we've leapt be... from one horror legend yeah. to to another, a more recent inductee to the Horror Hall of Fame, I'd say. Absolutely. And I um, I just want to just put out a spoiler warning, um, not only for the franchise as a whole, but for the TV show. As yes. of recording, episode five was aired um, yeah. the other night. So we will be discussing that. I have a lot of thoughts. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just going to say, first and foremost, if you are not a fan of the Chucky TV series that's currently airing, um, I'd like you to pause, go take a long hot bath, rethink <laughs> your life choices, because I think it's a... I think it's the best horror TV show I've watched. Wow, okay, yeah. Okay. It gives me what I want. Like, this is what I love in horror, so, yeah. Yeah, okay. No, I can, I can, yeah, I can, I can see it. I mean, um, I suppose, shall we start with kind of the start of the franchise and then kind of how it's woven its way into pop culture and where it is now? Because obviously the TV show is, is a recent development of the story, but then revisits a lot of the kind of older stuff, doesn't Mm. it? Um, well, um, what I wanted to know for like, which one's your favorite? Like, if you had to choose a favourite of the franchise? I would probably say um, it's a toss-up between two of the films, and Mm. I like them for different reasons, because I feel like what's weird about this franchise is that I think there's a very distinct tonal shift from it Mm -hmm. being a horror-slasher franchise into it being, like, a comedy franchise. I think my two favourites are probably Child's Play 2, because I just think it was child's play one but with a budget and yeah. like like i i liked when they kind of the whole factory and and all of that stuff but i really really dug the more recent entry which was curse of chucky because i mm. felt like it it took the series back to its like horror roots and i think it was yeah. genuinely the scariest one out of all of them yeah. and obviously yeah again we got like a bit more of an insight into the backstory so it was a nice nice addition but that's not to say that i don't 
I don't appreciate the other films for other aspects. But yeah, what, what about you? What are, what are your favourites, aside from the TV show, I'd maybe say? So, yeah, um, mine's uh, Bride of Chucky. Yeah. Um, I feel like it's my favourite because I feel like when they introduced Tiffany, it was... Also, it is the film where the where the tone shifts, but it was it mm. was where when Tiffany got introduced, at, like at first, because I was um, a weird kid who really liked Child's Play, but I never saw it as a horror film as a kid. I'll get more into that in a bit. But I, uh, when <laughs> Tiffany was introduced, I was I was like really hesitant. I was like, oh, there can't be a female Chucky. I don't want that. But um, yeah, I fell in love with Tiff. Yeah, and in one film, she cemented herself as a as a horror icon. I think. Martha Stewart! Martha Stewart can kiss my shiny plastic butt! But then, yeah. uh, my other one would be Curse. Yeah. Curse again shifted the tone, but kept elements, and I, I think it's absolutely chilling. Yes. Yeah. I think the, the franchise as a whole um, is like the perfect representation of how horror has maybe shifted um, and obviously how horror as a genre responds to society and like society's perceptions of things uh, Mm -hmm. issues that sort of thing so obviously when when we opened up so we started with child's play back in 1988 which was directed by tom holland who um, we've obviously spoken about before with fright night fright night and also starred um, Chris Sarandon. Excuse me, Danny. So again, uh, from <laughs> from Fright Night. So they, I think they were they were very much trying to start a franchise in that in, yeah. that, in that film, and I think you can see that. And I I don't think uh, that's a bad thing. I mean, no. doing some research obviously on this, so I think it's important to also point out that the whole kind of thing, the concept, has been spearheaded and created by uh, Don Mancini who is an out and proud gay uh, creator, uh, writer, Mm -hmm. director, filmmaker. And I think when I was looking into this, it said that initially it was inspired by the hysteria of the Cabbage Patch Kids doll craze back in the 80s. And like news reports were reporting on parents basically assaulting each other to get these dolls for their (laughs) kids. I I think it's funny when you see films take like those elements i know that toby hooper spoke about texas chainsaw came from him just being in a hardware store and then seeing this chainsaw up on the wall and was like what if someone just got that and murdered a ton of people (laughs) um so i i do like it when you kind of see these icons of horror be birthed out of something quite mundane i guess or like just in the news but yeah i mean don mancini's father worked in advertising his whole life and i think that fed into his creation of this the um, guy doll thing. Yeah, the good guy design for everything. It just it seems so organic as well. It seems yes. so real. Yeah. Um to the point where like I see things and I'm like, that really looks like good guy marketing. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I mean it's yeah. kind of scary. I, I think rewatching because the last couple of days I've watched the first three, like back to back, and it's seen like the cartoons that you would like see on like breakfast TV as yeah, a kid. Absolutely. And the advertising and the packaging and like it just it just made me laugh and i think even there's this kind of like nod and a wink that there's a lot of inappropriate accessories like maybe associated with this doll so he has like a <laughs> a tool set and like a drill and a hammer and then like on his shoe he has like a little gun like in there like i mean <laughs> what like it, it's just it's just weird there's something not quite right about it which i think's great but then it was nice to see that there was then some consistencies through the storyline uh, obviously, mm. with with Mancini overseeing a lot of it, but also we had characters kind of recurring. I will say as well, just mo- kind of moving on from the first one, but 
uh, obviously we've got uh, Alex Vincent playing Andy Barclay in the in the first kind of couple of films who then yeah. does return later on but I it kind of reminded me of um, Daniel Harris as Jamie in the Halloween yes. films mm-hmm. and I think that was something like people were used to seeing slasher films so they knew like it was going to be a bunch of teenagers smoking weed having sex getting hacked up so it I think it then came to a point where around the late 80s early 90s we were then getting kids in peril for the first three I think they tried to stay quite serious in tone yeah um, to, to me it seems very off the time you know what mm-hmm. I mean like like um, Mancini has come out since since creating them saying he's, he's no ill will towards them but if he had his if he had his way with them like mm-hmm. he has done with the TV series and, and with with Seed but mm-hmm. um, um, it would be there would be differences and you can yeah. you can kind of, you can even though the the child's play films are quite outrageous films mm. there is still some sort of like conservatorship to the first three anyway yeah um and i say that but that, that whole scene where, <laughs> where chucky and the third one replaces all the ammunition with live yeah. ammunition hi soldier <laughs> it's it's yeah it's insane i love that i love that whoever came up with that idea i thought that was Absolutely. Just going back to last episode's uh, admission of you hating children. (laughs) I think one of the main reasons why the first three films were so successful and received so well is, Mm -hmm. one, the design of Chucky. uh, Because that could literally, as we said, that could be in... Yeah. anyone's house uh, yeah. i've seen dolls that look like that but it's it's brad Dourif's voice yeah yeah big Good big component god yeah. what a like that is a, like that's such a when, when we talk about these horror icons with chucky i never think of what chucky looks like i always think of chucky's snark and like yeah, his, his laugh voice yeah and, oh, absolutely incredible and that um yeah it, I was gonna say, it is the laugh for me yeah yeah that laugh is Oh, it, it, it's scary, but it's also like it, it fills me with absolute like adrenaline. I'm just like, oh, yeah, I'm so fucked up. I think I always forget how little like he's physically in it. Although yeah. he, obviously he's such a main component of it, he's literally only really in the opening scene of the first like mm. one. If we're looking at the first three, um, at least like he's only really in that first opening scene before he does the the voodoo. Give me the power, I beg of you place his soul in the doll and i mean on the face of it the whole kind of thing the whole thing's very wacky isn't it um yeah like it's it's absolutely <laughs> it absurd like what we're supposed to believe is happening but there's still i don't know that it, it toys with the idea of that quite well because the whole films essentially particularly the first three are all about a character who knows this doll is alive trying to convince mm-hmm. the people around them that this doll is doing this stuff but then that's where we have that tonal shift when we come onto the comedy because as an audience yeah. we know he's alive we've seen it mm-hmm. three times now so then that's where it becomes about like the escapades of of this doll and his family yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's what i love when when we when we get to uh, not to bypass any of the first three because as i said as when i was so when I was younger, as I said, I got access to a lot of films that I shouldn't have really got access to. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, Child's Play was one that I got access to because the cover of it was was yeah. just Chucky, and I was like, oh, I want to watch, 
I wonder what's that because it's got a doll in it. Watched it. I never thought of it as a horror film as a kid. Yeah. Uh, even though it's quite horrifying. Yeah. I always saw it as like, have you ever seen stuff like Short Circuit and Batteries Not Included? And yes, yeah. Toys. Yeah, no. Well, I, I think that was it, wasn't it? The, the marketing was very much like, I don't know, like they almost used like toy marketing tactics yeah. to pull people in to watch this film about a killer toy. And I mean, I don't know, obviously, maybe looking at this from a serious standpoint as well, I think you you open up a discussion about something quite obviously serious at the time as well. The um, I think it was Child's Play 3 um, in particular, I think the cover art, or it might have been Child's Play 2. I think that was a thing, particularly in this country, that was talked about quite a lot in the yeah. 90s because of the Jamie Bulger case that, that mm-hmm. happened. And obviously, to give some context to that, unfortunately a trigger warning here talking about what we're talking about um that you had essentially two young boys taking an even younger boy uh, a toddler and murdering him and one yeah. of the things that they kind of were pulled up on was the fact that these were very young kids exposed to horror films probably at a very early age and it was brought into question that age-old debate of whether or not horror films and that sort of media has an influence, yeah. particularly on young minds. Um, and I don't know. I don't know if I would say that that maybe is what prompted, because I mean, we had a break, didn't we, really? Um, yeah. I mean, these first few films, we had 1988. I think the second one was 1990. And then the third one was 91. So they were made in fairly quick succession. Mm-hmm. Um, and of varying quality, I'll say. I will say, I think <laughs> the first one is great at doing what it needs to do. The second one, yeah. I think, was incredible, uh, like in terms of practical effects. Story-wise, I thought was kind of all right um, and had a great finale. And then the third one, I really don't like that much, but I do yeah. like the ending in the theme park and then the ghost train. I think yeah. it's pretty great. It was, um, it, yeah, it was, it's a bit messy, the third one, but it saved yeah. itself in the final act, definitely, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I think then, yeah, obviously we were led onto this hiatus and then when Chucky made his return, it was kind of then as something completely different, wasn't it? And I think that m- must have been in some ways due to the response from the public because I think a lot of people did demonise this character as yeah so it was around Child's Play 3 um, and one of the when the the two young boys who um, who were were the perpetrators of the attack Mm. they um, it came out that they were exposed to watching Child's Play 3 and then it started the debate of oh you know this must be the reason why and this Mm. film's disgusting and demonizing which sorry to i I don't know we're using real life tragedy but it's um as a creator Mm. being accused of those things what mancini's thoughts were because obviously as Mm. as the queer community we've been attacked to we've been accused of you know suggesting that you know we influence young people into a life of debauchery and all this so it kind of Obviously, it, when when all this happened, I was a couple of years old. In, yeah. I think it was ninety three. The attack. I think it was it was soon after I'd been born. To be honest, I think yeah. uh, my mum said she could remember me like being brought home from the hospital and then that being all over the news and it kind yeah. of terrifying her as an as a new parent, which I think it would. I mean, it's it's horrible to even think about today, isn't Absolutely. it? Really? Absolutely. Yeah, it's um, I do because it it does it does remind me of a lot of a lot of like historical cases of our, like if you think of like how 
queer people have been demonised of influencing young people. So mm. I think that it was a clever move going into Bride to change the tone of that, to take Absolutely. away from that, bring in the comedy, but also to create a film that's not only because the, at the time as well, it was very inspired by, you know, the, the shift in horror at the time. But I also mm. think with it being such a dramatic shift from that and also taking child's play out of the name and saying yes. this is a yeah. film. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I think they were very clever with that. And as I said, Absolutely. Bride remains my favourite. Mm. Um, not just because of that. I, I really like how camp it is. <laughs> well, I think, yeah. So, I mean, if we're talking about that, that shift then, uh, obviously, because I think that, that was really the, the main turning point for this franchise. And I think I will dare to say it's kind of remained on a steady path since Bride, um, mm-hmm. like in terms of what it's offering. But obviously in the mid, mid nineties, you had Kevin Williamson, another queer writer and creator, uh, collaborating with Wes Craven on Scream. And I think that's mm-hmm. really what put the nail in the coffin for a lot of slasher films. People were bored of these films that we'd seen in the eighties. Um, yeah. and they were so formulaic. So the twist was that we'd make it super meta. We'd let the audience in on the joke mm-hmm. and. I think, yeah, Bride of Chucky is very much that as well um, in what it references. Um, yeah. You get uh, queer people into a franchise, they will <laughs> fill it with pop culture references and make it absolutely, better. Absolutely. <laughs> I think the, the one that springs to mind for me that I absolutely adore, because obviously um, Child's Play and Chucky... Uh, obviously in particular I would argue in some ways is a universal monster of his own obviously a more modern day one but he has the backing of Universal and I think it was absolutely friggin amazing that when um, Jennifer Tilly's character of Tiffany still in human form is then (laughs) killed and electrocuted it's done with the Bride of Frankenstein on the TV screaming (laughs) bubbles everywhere electricity everywhere like it's just it's so camp Um, but it's it's fantastic it's awesome so good it is Um, so so the the thing that I think the reason why I love the um, Bride and Seed more than any is because of how much more input and the TV show um, and oh well anything after the yeah. third one thinking of it is how much more input Mancini has into the story the direction of everything um, yeah. you can really feel that and you can really I feel like the first three you could it sounds awful to say but you could actually take Chucky out of that and put another yeah like and you could you could stick I don't know Michael in there there's Michael Myers yeah. you know in a way whereas with these ones like this these films wouldn't work without Chucky and yeah. you can feel Mancini just being like this is these are the films I need to make he, he, he needs to be a little shit yeah and, absolutely you know, yeah <laughs> I love how much of a little shit he is going <laughs> yeah. forward becomes such a, he's so it's so hard to do like everything about him once you should hate this character yeah but it's so hard to hate him i think that's what's i mean there's a few unique things about the franchise i mean i can't think of many uh where obviously we've had one single actor continually playing the character other than maybe robert england and freddie and then also obviously having this don mancini the creator overseeing pretty much it from its inception even to mm-hmm. like now um and i think that's what makes the franchise stand apart from a lot of other stuff out there because yeah yeah he he being a horror fan and being so in touch with the fans and knowing what what we'd like because he 
knows what he'd like to see with the character takes it in a place that's completely different and i think yeah you get you go into the films particularly the ones with chucky in the title as opposed to child's play knowing that you're going to care about him you want to see how he offs various people and you don't actually really care too much about the other characters they're subpar to the this plot of chucky that we're following which is i think we um we find that with a lot of franchises that Mm -hmm. once the once the initial like franchise creator or dreamer um, steps out of it, that's when it starts to slip. Um, oh, so if you can hear rustling, my cat's decided to make an appearance. So we'll we'll deal with that. Um, it's ghosts like, again. <laughs> I want to do a quick shout out um, to Alexis Arquette, who has sadly passed away. Who's in the um, who's in Bride of Chucky, who plays the unfortunate victim in um in tiffany's caravan of love um <laughs> but yeah alexis arquette is a queer icon and r.i.p to her because she she was fantastic but um i have a lot of notes about seed I, I bet you do yeah. <laughs> going back to that coffee story aren't we yeah <laughs> um but um seed uh, it's not that it's not my favorite i, I I have a different love for seeds than I do for any of the others because it's. You're a cat. Hang on. Let me just. Scylla, go on. There we go. I love that your cat's called Scylla. Yeah, Scylla Black. <laughs> Pop culture reference, see? But that's. Um, bringing that to seed, actually, that's why I love it. Seed mm. of Chucky, to me, is a John Waters film. That's, well, yeah, obviously, yeah, yeah absolutely. And obviously, John John Waters makes a cameo appearance in it, but it's very much inspired by the John Waters uh, films. I really feel like Divine and Chucky are kindred spirits. Yes. I feel, could you imagine? Because I feel like that would happen if Divine was still with us. Yes. Divine would have 100%. popped up in, in this franchise. A hundred percent. I mean, I will, I will be honest. Um, it's only since being with my other half that I really then started to check out John Waters' work. Like mm-hmm. I was aware of it, however cliche it is through kind of drag race and, and other pop culture references. Like I think I saw John Waters, um, Waters before on Seed of Chucky before I kind of knew who he was, which is, I don't know. I mean, I think Seed was the first Chucky film that I was probably old enough to know about Chucky. I think the other ones kind of were a bit too early for me. Um, But yeah, 100%. It's it's that sort of weird niche of horror, isn't it? Um, Mm -hmm. That that he kind of... It was the the most meta the franchise has gone to as well, because obviously we have... <laughs> we have Jennifer Tilly playing <laughs> Jennifer Tilly, who, who's killed off and embodied by a character played by Jennifer Tilly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And also, reference to other um, Jennifer Tilly's fantastic lesbian thriller film, Bound. Uh, if nobody's watched Bound and you like a good lesbian film, Please go and watch Bound. And well, I, I think DM I'm going to go and watch it after after this. Bound. To be honest, but yeah, she, um, yeah, Seeds um, for me was the, the. I think the reason why it resonates with me so much is because so I'm a huge fan of Rocky Horror, mm-hmm. uh, and it was the first time outside of Rocky Horror that I saw gender being shown as something that isn't in a rigid binary mm-hmm. and not played for laughs. Yeah, well. that was a mm. huge part of it. Even though it was a comedy horror film, I feel like the stuff with Glenn Sash Glenda was 
What it never been, it's, it's never been done before. Like I, I can remember watching it and then it just being a completely new idea to me. But again, I, I mean, I'll take that as I think it's because I was very young when I watched it. But at the same time, I, I can remember just watching it and being like, if I'm going to be honest, I think the reason I watched it is because I had a huge crush on Hannah Spirit from Hess Club 7. <laughs> so I think I watched it because Game she rights. was in it. And then, yeah, I was greeted with this whole gender bending kind of out there character and reveal. Well, and but also canonically gender fluid. Well, yeah. Uh, it, yeah. Chucky as a dad, which yeah. is just weird to say, has like <laughs> this whole kind of internal kind of debate going on uh, as to whether or not he can accept it. But then he comes through as one of our best allies in yeah. horror, which yeah, is I mean, absolutely Full spoilers insane. for the TV show. It's like, oh, I've got a queer kid. I have a queer kid. You have a kid. Gender fluid. And you're, you're cool with it. I'm not a monster, Jake. Just said, just nonchalant, not, yeah. not made a joke of or anything. And yeah. yeah, Chucky should change the stripes on his good guy top to the rainbow stripes, personally. Just, yeah. Yeah. Just, just go full fight any day of the year. But I feel like... Um, Tiffany would be that that mum who'd be like, "I've got a queer child," <laughs> yeah. you know, <laughs> pride. At the, yeah, at the front She'd of the be parade. That at pride. If she wasn't a homicidal maniac, could be that mum at pride being like, "I'll be your mum." Know yeah. what I mean, yeah, but, oh, I just I love Tiffany so much. As much as we've spoken about Chucky being great and Brad Dourif obviously mm-hmm. being a legend. Uh, Tiffany would be nothing without Miss Jennifer Tilly, would she? Absolutely not. And uh, I said this before we start recording. Jennifer Tilly is 63 years old. The woman was too stunned to speak. And still looks <laughs> absolutely incredible. <laughs> My nan passed away at 63 and looked nothing like that. <laughs> I'm sorry to laugh at your, your nan no, passing no, no, away. No, no, I feel like my life would have been gone in a different direction if my nan looked like Jennifer Tilly at that age. It's yeah. It's, it, I think when you <laughs> told me, I didn't believe it. I thought she was like in her forties, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, obviously, we'll get onto the TV show, but the latest episode, she is cracking. <laughs> she mm-hmm. is amazing, and she. Uh, the, I love how much love she has for the franchise as well. Yeah. As an Academy really? Award winner, I think I'm right yeah. in saying. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? Good for her. Like, her transformation scene in Bride of Chucky, where like yeah. she's getting herself ready, is so f***ing camp, and I love everything about it. Yeah. It's like the most exciting part of Drag Race is when you get to see the transformation. <laughs> and oh, oh, they should get, oh, they should get Jennifer Tilly as... As Tiffany on Drag Race. That would be in, insane. Oh, it would be, As yeah. a guest judge. Oh, I'd love that. But yeah, um, I'm obsessed with Tiffany. She has become one of my favourite horror characters. Um, everything from the voice, the mannerisms, um, the look is just iconic. And I feel like whoever was the brainchild behind everything to do, well, mainly with casting Jennifer Tilly, yeah. needs an award just for just for the casting. <laughs> I imagine Mancini was quite heavily yeah. involved in, in that. But I mean, yeah, at, for, at the time, because obviously I think she was in her, I don't want to say like prime, but like, you know, in mm. terms of like, she was involved in, in a of ton career, of other yeah. projects and yeah. all of that. For her to then, yeah, turn turn around and be like, yeah, this is a horror franchise. 
and I, I am more than happy to be a part of it. And to do the stuff that she does in it as well <laughs> is uh, is insane. But it must have just been so much fun. Like, she yeah, must love, love doing it. I feel like I've read a lot of people who have been involved with the franchise and said how much love they have for it. Um, I mean, in the, in the latest films, in Curse and Cult, we have Andy returning, mm-hmm. who I will say... Is a very attractive adult. Oh my god! <laughs> I'd be trying to suck his soul out if I was there. <laughs> wow. if I was there. He's, yeah, he's uh, he's very much blossomed. But um, also, <laughs> uh, a newcomer to the franchise who's doing a f- phenomenal job is Fiona Doris, mm-hmm. yeah. Brad's daughter. Who? Oh my god! Could the family resemblance is striking. Yeah, it is. It's in, it's insane. I think I didn't at first realise, and I think they did it cleverly. I mean, um, I, I suppose we've kind of naturally moved on to Curse uh, kind of now, because mm-hmm. obviously that's where we get the introduction to this character. Uh, and I will argue, as I said earlier, this is one of my favourite entries into the oh, franchise yeah. because it did make Chucky scary again um Absolutely. i mean you've kind of got like this gothic setting um it's a bit of a whodunit sort of thing the kills are insane and very gory but at the same time like although i think it was because it was straight to dvd this one wasn't it and mm-hmm. and that the other ones had obviously been a bit more in the theatrical release it didn't feel like cheap and it didn't feel like it was a disservice no, to the, the story or the characters um and like you said we, we're now getting fiona brad's uh, daughter involved in a sort of meta way because obviously mm-hmm. then we find the ca- out that the characters also got some connections to to yeah. Charles Lee Ray. Um so yeah, I I personally thought it was great and I think it was nice to see it evolve because obviously we kind of got like this silly campy really out there entries with uh, Bride and Seed and yeah. then we went back to Curse which phenomenal in my eyes but then I don't know I I did I was somewhat then disappointed when we went to court because I don't think yeah. it was anywhere near as I feel, good. Yeah. yeah, I feel like Kurt because obviously Seed was the first time Mancini had stepped into the director role in the in the franchise, mm-hmm. and I feel like I don't feel like it was the film that he wanted to create. I feel like there was a lot of pressure to yeah. Ooh, uh, everybody responded well to Bride and it's tongue in cheek and let's let's make it campy again and yeah. I feel like the break was very much needed because I feel like Curse is the perfect blend of the first three films mm-hmm. and Bride and Seed Chucky's still making like his quips there's still that tongue in cheekness but it's got the absolute chilling horror mm-hmm. of the first three I think again, it was it was kind of referencing though the time of of like horror and what was kind of going on because I mean, of course, obviously with um, Bride and uh, Seed, we were kind of at this turning point in horror where horror comedy was becoming quite fashionable. Um, yeah, and then we just you had like scary movie and stuff that were like killing it. Absolutely, and then obviously you had like Freddy vs Jason, so you had like icons going up against each other. Oh, so Freddy vs was... Jason starring um, Kelly Rowland. Freddy. <laughs> Freddy! Here we go, she's returned. Um, Can I just make a quick pun then, in that case? Right, here we go. So, Kelly Rowland, thank you for joining us on the podcast. You trying to compensate for something? Um, I want to put Kelly Rowland in this film and call it Destiny's Child's Play. Yes, queen! Come on, get real! (laughs) Wow! Imagine, imagine... Imagine a, a Child's Play musical set to the music of Destiny's Child. 
I mean, I think I can't stop thinking now. about it. I kept <laughs> thinking about it last night, and then I was thinking of which songs I would I'd put in there. <laughs> I'd, Tiffany would do a whole a whole thing to bills, 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 and yeah. <laughs> I can't deal with that. And the, the scene in the third film where they're like shooting up each other, it'd be like, I need a soldier. <laughs> yeah. It just, yeah. Andy's theme is just, I'm a survivor. <laughs> just <laughs> the whole thing. Um, no, definitely. I, uh, that's yeah, tickled me probably more. Copyrighted. That's, that's tickled me more than I care to admit, if I'm being perfectly <laughs> honest. But yeah. Going- that's <laughs> Going back to, uh, oh. to, to to my point, um, I suppose, you, yeah, you you had like these big titans of horror that were maybe reaching the end of their shelf life as, as kind of horror icons as they were. So they were mashing them up with like pop culture and all of that jazz. Um, but then when Curse came out, we were in a period of horror where like The Conjuring and Insidious and all of that, yeah. where it was a lot more serious, uh, supernatural, ghosty and... I think that you can very much see the influences of that in Curse because it goes back to it being genuinely scary and suspenseful as opposed to it being for laughs. Um, it, was, it was so, so isolated, isolated as well, which, which I thought the setting really helped. Obviously, we've got this really old creepy house, which was all the horror films were doing an old creepy house at the time. Yeah, when I first saw that, I thought it was going to be it's going to be the ghost of Chucky, and I'm not going to yeah. enjoy it because I've seen a thousand and one haunted house films at this point. Yeah, but then they would. It was yeah. It was. Perfect. I think. I think, yeah, particularly in the promotion, I can remember it being built up as it maybe being something more like a possessed doll. Because obviously, yeah. again, with The Conjuring, we were aware of like Annabelle being a thing now. And um, I know a lot of people like to pit Annabelle and Chucky up against each other. I'm but sure I mean, a hundred percent. I think as well, it's important to point out we had a disabled protagonist as, uh, as well, yeah. which um, again, yay for representation, uh, which is always good to see. I think horror, again, a genre where we get to see people who don't fit this cookie cutter norm of what people should be like like we have deaf protagonists in the quiet place uh blind protagonists in like julia's eyes for example or um uh, deaf characters in hush so it i think what always got me about chucky as a character was even growing up i was thinking he's a doll you just kick him in the face and then lock the door Um, (laughs) and i thought it was clever that there was a character who was going to be incredibly vulnerable because they couldn't walk. Um, And I think that was a killer idea. I think that whoever came up with that, again, obviously I'm guessing uh, Mr. Mancini um, came up with that. It was, it was spot on. Like it it was just the injection it needed to then be like, okay, this character seriously going to struggle to, to, to win. And I guess, spoiler alert, they don't technically win at the end of the film, which was kind of refreshing, I suppose. Which leads us into what I feel was, a great concept and mm-hmm. interesting execution when it comes to cults. I yeah. spent a lot of time in cult confused. Um, <laughs> in a cult things- or just in? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I was in a cult, everyone. This is a cracker house. Um, no, I, a lot of cult of Chucky, I spent confused and whether that was intentional for the audience to be confused or not, mm. I feel like, um, they were very clever in we've got this copy and paste story now of Chucky wants to take somebody's soul and possess them but mm-hmm. then think actually he's come round to the idea of wanting to be a doll and he yeah. can now split his soul 
and yeah, possess multiple dolls. That was that was scary. That was the that, that was, was the good cool. bit, I think, about mm-hmm. it. Obviously, again, we had the return of some legacy characters coming back, which was great. But then, yeah, I think the the good thing about the franchise is that each each kind of film offers something new. There's a yeah. an advance to the mythology, and like like we said, we were used to. I mean, that's what I think made the first three films a bit stale, particularly by the third, was that you were just having this copy and paste narrative of just yeah. oh he wants to get into Andy's body oh actually we'll swap it out for same. another kid on the third one but it's the same story yeah I think it was good that then it was like oh yeah he's going to split himself up because then that offered so many possibilities and made it so much more terrifying well, not, not to be not to be, be too, too queer about it, it but <laughs> I feel like <laughs> we can kind of resonate with Chucky a little bit where it's come some sort of acceptance in the body that you're now in and mm. it's, um, I mean, granted, I'd love to be able to split my soul into multiple parts and live out nice, but um, I'd get so much work done. But um, no, I feel like it's, I know it, it seems to be, you know, when a teacher's just being like, oh, you read this poem and they said that a door's red, it must have a reason for it. It might not have this reason behind it, yeah, but I yeah. really do like to read it as, you know, Chucky's come to some sort of acceptance as being the person that, that he is now. Yeah. Um, albeit a doll but yeah as queer people we can we can we can see that we that's a story that resonates so so strongly with us absolutely i think yeah you make an absolutely killer point there um because i think yeah at the center of it um and i guess this is obviously what comes more to the forefront in the tv series you've you've got to obviously remember mancini comes at it from a queer perspective so there's always going to be these layers of of yeah self-identification and and uh acceptance and how people view certain things um and i think the films are a perfect kind of episodic uh venture into that sort of discussion which is yeah which is nice and i think makes it seem a hell of a lot more intelligent than it probably is perceived yeah, yeah. I, one thing i love uh about cult though is um again fiona doris but at the end of the film, full spoilers, obviously, mm-hmm. when Chucky has possessed her body and she's in the outfit mm-hmm. that we see, that we see Charles Lee Ray in the first film and looks just like a dad. Yeah. It's scary. And her mannerisms are spot on. And then when her and Tiff reunite at the end, it's just like, shit. Yeah. Like, the ending of that film had my jaw on the floor. Um, especially the bit where somehow, um, it might be a little bit of a problematic portrayal that um, somehow her paralysis disappears when Chucky yeah. possesses the body. And then we've just seen in the latest episode, episode five, that <laughs> it yeah, resumes they, they, when she they, they resumes when she's back in control. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's, I, I don't know whether or not being yeah. paraplegic, I don't think is a personality trait. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, it is interesting. Um, but, I, I don't know. Um, well, well, this is also we can suspend our disbelief in a film where a doll can be possessed by some voodoo curse. So, <laughs> yeah, there's there's some leaps in logic, isn't there, throughout this Absolutely. franchise? I think just before we get onto the TV show, then um, you've kind of hinted at it a couple of times, but uh, there's there's two interesting bits of of trivia i'd say but about obviously casting and stuff and i don't know whether you know about these but the first one is in child's play 2 um now 
uh, me and you had um, a great discussion uh, after I'd gone to Mayhem about uh, a certain film. And obviously, yes. shout out to the No Goals Allowed podcast. There's uh, a whole kind of discussion on that uh, as well on that episode. But so you've got Jenny Agatha playing Joanne Simpson, who's one of the uh, uh, adoptees, if that's mm-hmm. the right word. And then you've got Garrett Graham playing Phil. Now, mm-hmm. um, I didn't realise this, but re-watching... Uh, Charles Play 2 last night, he is none other than Beef from <laughs> Phantom of the Paradise, which is... Incredible film. <laughs> insane. Um, I was looking at him and I was thinking, okay, I- I'm going to say that obviously, yeah, that Phantom of the Paradise was 20 years ago, so I can kind of see that your face has changed a bit. But yeah. watching it, I was like, that's Beef. That is 100% Beef. <laughs> and lo and behold, yeah, it was. Um, so that was a nice little discovery. Um, also for, for listeners, if you've not watched Phantom of the Paradise, again, sort your life out, go for yeah. that long hot bath and then if you question are a your life big choices. fan of the Rocky Horror Picture Show, um, it's often shown as a double bill with Rocky Horror, um, mm-hmm. because it, it's, it touches on some similar, th- well, it's still similar themes. It's, um, it's gay rock opera. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. This was a nice little uh, discovery. Um, but yeah, kind of going to the TV series then now, and um, particularly this latest episode, did you, have you read about something or do you know uh, what was kind of special about the episode? I don't know. I haven't okay. read anything. It was special to me because it made me cry, but I'll, I'll let you know why in a sec. <laughs> well, this was episode five is the latest one that just went mm-hmm. on, wasn't it? And yeah, like you said, we got uh, Jennifer Tilly back and uh, Fiona Dorif as well. But we got an interesting flashback to young Charles Lee Ray yeah. uh, picking up a girl in the club um, and going home with, well, two women. And was, then one of them... Was that t- digitally de-aged Brad Dorif? No. Oh. It was Fiona Dorif with some makeup on. <gasps> no. <laughs> yes. Because so, I was like, I was like, they've de-aged him so well. Like they've they, they've not got yeah. that weird. What's the term? I can't. Uncanny think of Valley. Like Uncanny locked. Valley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I was like, God, they've de-aged him so well. well I was watching it like this is really weird. Like they've they've because you could tell that the voice was redubbed. I think, yeah, yeah, but. It was done in a way that obviously the whole thing's a bit kind of campy and weird, but you were watching it and I was thinking, oh my God, this person looks like Brad Dourif, like in the original <laughs> yeah. film. Having just watched the original film and then watching this episode, I was thinking they've done very well here. Um, but then with you saying so much this episode as well, like the resemblance and we leave cult with uh, Fiona Dourif's character in the clothes of Charles Lee Ray almost. I think I saw <laughs> on like, on I think it was Twitter, um, I saw people going like, any idea who plays uh, young uh, obviously Charles Lee Ray was it Tommy Wiseau was it and, and then yeah it was revealed that it was it was Fiona That's with some with some makeup uh, but the way that she embodies her father's yeah. character as well incredible like the mannerisms everything it blew me away because obviously she she must have had a hell of a uh, a job that episode playing him as him but also mm-hmm. part of his soul in her body as her own character it's yeah that's that's like a, a mind she's absolutely phenomenal and i've only ever I, I hope to see her in more things because mm-hmm. she's such a good performer but yeah the the tv show i have a lot of love for i mm-hmm. think this is the best evolution from film to tv I've seen, as I said, I said earlier, and it's not hyperbole. It's the 
it's my favorite horror TV show that I've seen because I feel like it's the culmination of everything we've seen so far blended into this. They've, they've, he's absolutely nailed the tongue in cheek humor and the, and the horror element. And the fact is it's so unashamedly queer that I, 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 I can't get over it and I can't stop talking about it enough. We have the queer protagonist who's not played for laughs, doesn't, hasn't got a coming out story, which means a lot yeah. to me. And yeah. in episode five, seeing him share a kiss on the screen, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not an emotional person, but I'm getting a little bit choked up thinking about it now. Yeah. Like, I, I, I just started crying. And I, yeah. I'm, I didn't expect that to happen. I, I knew that there was going to be some, there was some attraction there, but I yeah. didn't expect them to physically show anything. And for them to do that means so much. Absolutely. And I, yeah, I was just there and I, I couldn't help but get choked up. About well, what, what I'll probably say is, uh, um, um, I think, yeah, let's kick off the discussion then of the TV show. Um, because I, I want to kind of maybe get my qualms out of the way first because like you, I have a lot of love for it. Um, Mm -hmm. but I do think when it started and when I first, uh, watched the first episode, um, was not, not a fan, um, of it all that much. And I think unfortunately it was partly down to, um, the character of of Jake who's played by uh, Zachary Arthur. Um, Mm. again, I I think there's a lot of newcomers on this. I've not seen like a lot of people I'd seen before other than maybe some of the, uh, older characters who I didn't realize that Devin Sawyer was his father. Mm -hmm. Um, He looks very different from, uh, well, yeah, playing twins in the first episode, but then very different from his final destination days and M&M days. But um, we'll get into that. But yeah, I I don't know. There was something that just didn't sit right with me in that first episode. And I don't know whether or not if it was filmed chronologically or or what. And I don't know. He he was, it just kind of, the performance just came across a bit clunky for me to begin with. But then... I will say, as the episodes have gone on, I think he's a really great protagonist. Um, and I don't know, I almost feel like you can see him getting better, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, he's a absolutely. lot more comfortable. Um, I do like the fact that, I think pretty much, yeah, from the outset, he was unapologetically gay. Um, he was still confronted by, uh, obviously, the animosity of, like, his peers, uh, his father in particular, calling yeah. him a gay slur and, and beating him up, like, in that first episode. And uh, there was obviously this kind of chemistry uh, between Jake and then this character of Devon, who's, like, a true crime podcaster who yeah. I 100% would have been friends with if we'd have gone to school yeah. together. Um, and, yeah, I think it. what got me um, was the fact that these characters were so young and these stories yeah. were being told. Like... I don't know. You're almost used to now. Um, when we say young adults, I think it's mainly like 18 to like 20 yeah, year olds yeah. or whatever, having these gay or queer storylines. But to see a character who is told to be 14 going on this journey, I thought was very refreshing. Um, and he doesn't seem like a stereotype as well, which is great. No, like he isn't is, camp yeah. as hell. And he isn't I mean, like, there's, there's I just, just practice this with saying like, like like, there's, there's nothing, nothing wrong, wrong with, with being, like, you know, camp and all that, but, but to see us not being portrayed in uh, a way that everyone seems to think that we're portrayed in then to show us that we have interests outside of outside yeah. of our community, that we, you know, yeah. we make f- sculptures. Uh, 
that made me feel ill, but anyway. And, you know, and we have this, and we're just, we're just people. We're just people, which was really great. But I, it was the bullying in it, because from the trailers we saw that some kind of like bullying was going to happen. And none of the bullying is homophobic bullying as well. No, yeah, which absolutely. Is, Thank f- for that. I'm so glad that that isn't in there. And the, it sounds horrible. I'm happy to see bullying. It isn't a thing, but I'm I'm happy to see that it's for reasons that are outside of who he is. It's extenuating circumstances. And I think the reason why this this show resonates so well with a queer audience is the visibility of Mancini's input. Um has it's, it's gone on record to say, you know, this is the story I've always wanted to tell and I'm putting a lot yeah. of personal stuff in there. I feel they were very clever to not have too much callback to the previous en- entries into the franchise. Yes, yeah. Episode 5 was probably the heaviest one because we saw some physical flashbacks. Yeah. Um, and recapping basically Curse and Cold, which was clever. It... it recapped it in a way that made me understand Colt a lot more as well yeah. so thank god but um, they've been very clever at having these hints and throwbacks and and then episode 5 seems to be the turning point in the whole show for me so I'm glad we're recording at a time where we're just talking about the turning point in the show yeah everything's ramped up um, I don't think we can... we've got too long left to go now I think there's only a couple no. more episodes isn't there no, and I'm really, I'm really hoping it, it is very successful as well. So I'm mm. hoping for series two already. Yeah. Um, I would love to see Glenn slash come back somehow. Yeah, I think <laughs> Just, I, I will say, I mean, in all fairness, obviously, yeah, we're on the fifth episode and I do think that it has been a bit of a slow burn so far. Mm. Um, and I think this last episode is where it really like ramped up and like you said, got a bit more uh, blatant with its links to the original uh, franchise mm-hmm. um i do I, i'm a big fan of shows where you kind of promise to kill an episode or you so you know yeah. someone's gonna die every episode uh-huh. and particularly obviously with uh chucky he's always ever inventive with the ways <laughs> that he kills people i particularly <laughs> love an episode five the, the one, one that, that just happened, happened with the head, head teacher, teacher literally losing yes. his head <laughs> And having their thumbs up, decapitating the corpse with their thumbs up. I, I, I like stood up and howled. Pissing myself laughing. I do, yeah, I do love, I do love his, uh, his creativity. (laughs) I also, I know it's like a silly thing to say, but I also am a huge fan of like the title sequence every episode being slightly different. So you kind of, I don't know, it drops hints as to like where the setting will be or what we're yeah, yeah. expect in terms of the theme tune as well. Is, it's oh, so good. I, well, I think so good. the music as well has always been like a clever little um, thing yeah. throughout the whole like franchise. Cause I think kids toys, that kind of weird music box tinkery kind of sound is, is always creepy. Um, so well, yeah. While we're on the subject of music, uh, mm-hmm. I only want to touch very briefly on the remake with Mark Hamill voicing Chucky, which yes. was a phenomenal choice if you were going to reboot a franchise. And I think Mark Hamill's one of the most incredible voice actors out there. Um, and I I really like that film, but not as a child's play film. If that, yeah. if that, was, if that was branded as something else, I'd have more love for that film. Cause that yeah. touched on a lot of 
themes that I enjoy, you know, this whole technology going rogue, etc. Yeah. It was missing the heart of Chucky, but the thing I loved the most about that was the music. <laughs> yes. The Jack yes. Play remake. Yeah, the music I think, was gorgeous. I think the, uh, was it Bear McCreary? Uh, did the mm-hmm. soundtrack and I think he posted an amazing video on YouTube of him like building it up like with samples of kids yeah. toys and so yeah definitely check that out if you want to like see something cool I, I mean yeah I, I will say that I think it was it was weird wasn't it and I think that's why we've got the TV show because the child's play name which obviously they've deviated away from which I guess is clever for Mancini to have done because he kind of seems to own the rights to Chucky but Child's Mm -hmm. Play was owned was it MGM owned it and they uh, and like I think with Orion they were able to make um, Child's Play which I guess yeah you you would recognise it to be like a killer doll film. Um, I, I just, I felt bad for, for the director because I'd been following him since his like short films. Like he did a really great short film called Polaroid, which was then developed oh, into okay. a feature. Mm-hmm. Um, and then his next gig was Child's Play. And I mean, yeah. any, any filmmaker given an opportunity to kind of enter a franchise like that. I know you asked me about oh, Hocus Pocus. Snap that up. Yeah. Yeah. Like you, you'd go and do it. And I, I think they did well to tap into that alternative approach with AI and, and, and yeah. tech, but I only think it found its feet and really got going in like the last uh, act, like where yeah. stuff went apeshit at the department store and you had like mm-hmm. drones and various dolls. And I think in some ways that's what cult should have done. Um, in terms yeah. of like where he, th- where Chucky then realized he could fragment his soul into various dolls or people or whatever. Like that would have been great to see an army of these good guy dolls like doing yeah. something. So I don't know. There, there were pros and cons. I didn't absolutely hate the no, no. reimagining, but great performances. Um, <laughs> I would watch Aubrey Plaza oh, watch, watch paint her. dry. I'd watch her watch paint dry. Love um, I feel like. So <laughs> yeah, there were some great performances. Really, it, I think the kills were inventive. It looked great as well, which it, it really did look great. I mean, there was uh, the bears, which I didn't think looked like me. But anyway, um, <laughs> but I feel like yeah, I'd watch it. I'd watch a sequel to that. I think. Yeah, I feel I like, like to me that, that it, it didn't have the heart of Child's Play. Like, it, it, yeah, I feel like. The Child's Play franchise is is Chucky, is Brad Dourif as Chucky as well. Um, I think Mark Hamill did a great job. Mark Hamill at all. I, I especially I can remember finding it very chilling when because um, he has the doll has the feature of playing recordings back, doesn't he? Yeah, and he plays the recording oh, back of him killing cat. the cat. Yeah, oh. I can remember just absolutely like cringing at that because I thought Jesus Christ that's dark. Um, mm. So I mean, in some ways, yeah, it got back to like the darker side of of. Um, of, of the doll but I think they couldn't have the same origin story they couldn't call it Chucky no. they couldn't it was all it and was, was all very was, weird wasn't it he was because um, he was Buddy wasn't he in that he was Buddy so, yeah and, and he was, was very, very much um, the opposite of Chucky he was childlike and, and innocent you couldn't really <laughs> but in a meta way obviously with what we discussed I think he then developed some of his killer tendencies because he was watching was it Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 or something yeah, with the kids yeah. so you know like how we spoke about the whole the Jamie Bulger case and how that very much happened in real life with the Child's Play franchise. I don't know. There was kind of something about seeing that included in the narrative in some way, kind of interesting. Um, But yeah, this, this TV show, uh, Chucky um, is very much, I think what the fans wanted. It's obviously what Mancini wanted to do. Um, And I don't know, we're on a journey with these characters that we, 
we care about. I will say yeah. Lexi um, is a character that I I actually really, really like. I know that she's obviously awful. Yeah. But I, I started <laughs> off hating her and I was like, I can't mm. wait for her to f***ing get it. And then it's <laughs> in this last two episodes we've seen her relationship with her sister and... Yeah. You know, and her sister needs what, to get it. Oh my lord, she's horrible. God. <laughs> Annoying little child. I think most of them should get it. Um, uh, but yeah, it's it's been nice that the, the character arcs everyone's going on as well are incredible. Um, one character who I'm a little bit obsessed with is um, the auntie. Yes. Oh gosh, the the reveal this last episode as yeah. to what her secret was. I mean, uh-huh. that's what's been clever about this, and I suppose something you can only do with episodic like TV is you set up these characters. You have a clear expectation as to what's going to be going on with them. Mm-hmm. So obviously, Lexi from the outset we hated. Um, yeah. We had the secretive auntie, and like mm-hmm. on the face of it. Um, his uncle which then obviously kind of turns into his stepdad after his real dad passes away seems like a saint compared to his twin brother but then by episode five all of these characters are in a completely different place i mean even lexi's father seems to be standing up to the mum a little bit more yeah that was a great thing like um i don't know mum or mayor I'm, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see where that goes. I, I don't know if it's a potential spoiler, but I think this last week on their social um, social uh, channels, they posted a video of Jennifer Tilly in the mayor's kitchen. So yeah. I think we're going to get a nice little, hopefully a mashup, because I, I personally would love to see uh, whether or not it's Jennifer Tilly or Tiffany or whoever we're getting. Because mm-hmm. like, again, I don't think we fully know who we're getting in this <laughs> uh, in this film uh, in this series uh, but i'd love to see her go up against the mayor i think that yeah. would be like a cat fight for the ages absolutely um, um one character yeah. i can't wait to die and i hope they do is junior i think junior is the most dislikable character in that um, i feel sorry for him i feel oh like he's, God, he's got a lot going on um, I, just I mean, they don't shy away from killing kids, which is always mm. a win in my eyes. I mean, last episode, we literally got like a young teenage lad just get absolutely stabbed to death on the balcony. So my, um, in episode four, my, the bit that had me in absolute stitches is Chucky just flipping his f***ing middle finger up right at the end. Because I was, I thought, you little f***ing shit, I love you so much. That bit had me in, like, because that's how the episode ended as well, had yeah. me in absolute stitches i yeah. think this is the most fun the series has been as well i mean yeah. it, i think i said it before it just it just blends everything about the franchise so far they've done yeah. really well in drip feeding everybody the mythology as well uh, we saw hints that uh, of where it could go as well seeing that oh chucky isn't in complete control now when he's possessed maybe it's, it's yeah. like he stretched his I'm, soul too thin. I'm interested to see, yeah, what happens when Fiona Durif's character obviously comes into contact with Chucky in the doll, like, because yeah. essentially that's two Chuckies that are coexisting there. So what happens there? But also, um, I mean, I think another beat of the franchise is usually with Chucky being a plastic doll, we're used to seeing this hideously disfigured, burned, sliced up, <laughs> stitched back together version of Chucky. And it was nice that with the fire, we obviously then got this hideously melted version of Chucky, <laughs> but then he's back in a nice looking version of Chucky again now yeah, yeah, yeah. because oh. he knows he can leapfrog. Um, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I think I'm, I'm interested to see, uh, where it goes. Obviously, I think we're 
we're okay to expect that Andy's going to make a return. And I think we were talking as well that Kyle from yeah. part two is going to come back. turns up in a uh, post credit scene in, is it Curse or Cult? I think it's uh, I think it's cool because I think Cult, Andy's yeah. in the post credit scene of Curse, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah and just comes back and looks phenomenal and is wearing the beret, and that was I know. campus <laughs> I was like, this is great. I love it. Do you know one thing I realised about those early early films is no offence to everyone involved, but the, the the acting is dreadful. I mean, I yeah. would even say Chris Sarandon. <laughs> It's the not only saving great. grace for me is Jennifer, Jenny Akita is, yeah. but she, you know, she's she's an phenomenal actress. But yes. yeah, 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 but yeah, the actor isn't, isn't too fantastic. It's that kid in the, the third one. Oh, oh my god! I I was just waiting for the whole film. I was just like, kill him, kill him. <laughs> actually, just kill him. yeah. It's um, I don't know. I think they've always done the female characters. I think have always been the better characters absolutely. in the, um, that's in the because, franchise. That's because there's a gay man behind it. And we... Absolutely. <laughs> Love funny. our women. Love our women. Um, but yeah, I think I'm excited to see where it goes. I don't think there's too much left, obviously, of this series now. And hopefully it does tie up some loose ends. They've, they've just, they've just got, got me with this. This is everything I'm loving horror. I yeah. love it when it's not taking itself too seriously. It's why Scream's one of my favourite films of all time. It's, it's got its tongue in its cheek, but it's not not too much. It's still taking itself a little bit seriously. And that's... Yeah. Yeah, I'm loving it. Um, usually, when we do this kind of things, I always think of like the drag race thing, but I think we've nailed it. I, I don't want to see anything else. I, I want... I want Tiffany the doll to be on Drag Race. That, that's all that yeah. needs to happen. I, I As a completely guest agree. Judge, yeah. We've had Miss Piggy make an appearance. Why can't we have <laughs> Tiffany? I think it makes sense. Uh, I mean, uh, one thing I will say just on the Drag Race uh, front, um, I've not been the biggest fan of Series 3 of the UK one, I think because of some questionable nah. decisions yeah. with judging. But have you watched any of Canada's Drag Race? Uh, I yeah. haven't, no. Series not two. Season 2, no. Oh, my God. It is... Um, I, I don't know. I think you know where we got like a great season of, of UK Drag Race uh, season Mm-mm. two. I think the same is happening for Canada's. Um, oh, okay. Um, there's a, a queen called Pythia who I think I followed prior to yeah. when she was on there anyway. Um, she is phenomenal. Um, so I, yeah, I definitely advise checking it out. But they just did um, an episode where they did a horror film. Uh, like a slasher um called screech which was it was it was it was a good fun episode um but yeah it's uh it's interesting it's well, good speaking of horror and drag um if anybody out there is a lover of both which you should be if you're listening to this um def- uh, season four of dragula is currently airing on shudder which is my favorite streaming platform um Please sponsor us, should I? Please sponsor us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, Give us that coin, yeah. please. <laughs> Season four of Dracula's current airing on that. Now I'm gonna binge the hell out of it, but it's being again being very well received. Um, as has much of Dracula. Dracula is everything um, Drag Race should aspire to be. It's so much more inclusive. Um, the whole line of drag is art, art is subjective. We're not here to judge your drag. We're here to ju- um, judge your, like, your take on what it is. I believe it's series three or series two. I, I, forgive me, I've 
I've watched watch some other things in between. between. Um, they have a Hellraiser-themed floor show where they get to create their own Cenobite, and that was one of the most phenomenal things I've ever seen because then it started to make me think, you know, oh, what would my take on a, on a Cenobite be? Which leads me into some some gay news that we've had in the last month. <laughs> this This month on Gay News... <laughs> Reporting live. Insert weird little soundbite here. Did you like that? By the way, (laughs) (laughs) I just thought I've got to I've got to amp up this drama. So, uh, dun dun dun. (laughs) No, we've uh, we've had news that there is going to be a reboot of the Hellraiser film franchise, Mm -hmm. um, which has me excited because I am a huge fan of not the hellraiser franchise beyond the second film the first two but i'm a huge fan of the comics that clive barker had a lot of input in mm-hmm. where spoiler alert for the comics uh kirsty cotton becomes the new pinhead and becomes the new hell priestess and the story it goes off on a bit of a tangent but oh it, it captures the absolute chills of the first two film but yeah they are rebooting it with jamie clayton in the role as pinhead Mm -hmm. which um, there's been a lot of discourse online about that. I've seen a lot more positivity than I have negativity, and the negativity seems to be coming from people who have only watched the first films, well, the the franchise as a whole, on face value and haven't really explored anything else. I mean, the the evolution of Pinhead, I mean, I'm not going to lie, I... Oh, this is bad, but I barely got through the first Hellraiser film. I just really didn't click with it. And I think, I don't know if it's something to revisit and I'll really enjoy. Um, but I've, I've seen like the evolution of Pinhead and I've seen that obviously Doug Bradley wasn't cast in like some of the later films. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that, I don't know. I don't think that there wasn't as many like qualms being raised about the fact that it was another actor as I think now the fact it's, uh, yeah, it's a female pinhead that we're we're getting, mm-hmm. but I'm 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 sure I'm right in thinking in the original source material from Clive Barker, the character is androgynous and actually yes. more female identifying than so in the original short story, The Hellbound Heart, well, it's a no- novella. Um, <laughs> the the Cenobites are described as sexless beings, yeah, um, that that have a blend of male and female. Um, aesthetic so uh, and they've cast jamie clayton in the role who you know is a trans woman which um if you, if you read it <laughs> if you read it in a certain way is kind of how clive barker has said that he wanted to describe the the Cenobites as being but didn't have the language yeah to be able to describe that and clive barker's had a lot of input in in this reboot is it and and has said you know I, this is the film I would have liked to have made originally um, if I had the experience and the knowledge that I have now. And I think I'm excited for it. Again, as I said, Hellraiser is one of those franchises that you have to be some sort of diehard fan to have continued on with it. I think it's uh, hopefully it's going to be the shot in the arm that I think it needs to kind of get yeah. back to hopefully being um, what it maybe once was for a lot of people. Well, speaking of, of Chains... Um, someone (laughs) steady uh, someone uh, obviously who's been a huge influence on the gay community queer community uh, in general uh, seems to have 
broken free of those chains uh, in the uh, last few free hours. Brittany uh, uh, is free, <laughs> everyone. She's uh, she's made it to the other side of of what must have been absolutely hellish. Yeah, um, I. Uh, when the news got announced last night, uh, I'm not even ashamed to admit that I did cry. Um, I'm I'm so happy for Britney Spears to now be free from a conservatorship. I feel like a lot of people need to be held accountable and brought to justice for what's happened. Um, it, it's terrifying to think that because I've had a lot of issues with my mental health and mental state before to think if i was to ever become famous um yeah and if i was to have some sort of mental episode that's public 13 years of my life could be taken away from me and put in control of someone else i feel like it's opened up a lot of conversations of how we how we police people especially women um well, yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, her experience must have been unique anyway, as kind of literally growing up in front of the spotlight. And, mm-hmm. and, and don't get me wrong, obviously, yeah, it comes with its positives. Um, th- there's going to be a lot of things that she's never had to worry about being uh, as rich and famous as she is. But at the same time, her experience will be so unique in the fact that, I don't know, just to not have that privacy and, and not have that ability to just shut your, yourself away for a day yeah, yeah. and just i don't know to take stock and do what you need to do um there's been a lot obviously of, of documentaries programs um uh, articles released about the whole thing and i think there have been a lot of missteps in handling the situation um yeah, yeah. family in particular uh to to quote, quote wendy williams death to all of them oh, <laughs> yeah. um oh. But <laughs> I, um, yeah, I, I think it's, I don't know, it's been a long time coming. And I think, again, it, it speaks volumes as to predominantly, I think it, it's it's okay to say that a, a lot of the queer community have been behind her organizing these rallies Absolutely. in America, going to the courthouses. The movement online has been spurred on by uh, a lot of members of the LGBTQIA plus community. And, um, I don't know. She seems thankful in that, like post that she's she's posted out. Of, yeah. I mean, it's insane. I've never seen anything like it. Like, uh, um, like when you see the pictures of of these celebrations that are happening now, because she, ultimately she has the freedoms a lot of us have taken for granted. A little bit more of gay news. I don't know if you've seen, but um, there's talks of uh, a reboot of the Exorcist franchise. Obviously, yes. we had the TV show. Uh, not long ago, which was quite well received, uh, but now they want to reboot the. I think the David Gordon Green again, isn't it, and is in talks mm. to be uh, involved. I think the only thing that peeves me a little bit about it is that there seems to be no involvement of with Linda Blair. No, um, which I'm not too sure of. No, Linda Blair um, deserves the world, in my opinion, is. Um, often overlooked when we talk about horror as being a phenomenal actress. Um, her, her performance in, you know, The Exorcist as Reagan is... If you at think that age about, as well. Yeah, at that age, to be able to perform in such a way was absolutely incredible. So I would like to believe they would have some input. Um, 
hopefully I'd like to speak it into existence. Um, I'm not too sure how I feel about it being um, rebooted because the the problem is, and I, I think they're obviously talking about it being a continuation of the story because um, I think the actress who played her mother in it is is coming back um, yeah. and obviously playing the same character, which, yeah, great. And obviously they are going with the Halloween 2018 approach. Um, mm. But I don't know. I, I Again, it's not something that I've, uh, I've not really watched too much of the 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 franchise i know that the second one isn't widely seen as like a great no. one but the third one is which i believe actually stars brad deriff as, as well which oh yeah, yeah. A little callback but um I, I i've not really dabbled with the series too much because to me the first film is perfection it gives me everything yeah. i need and i can see why so many people hold it up as like the horror film of horror mm. films I think I, I think the the um, the TV show was was quite quite good. It had a very sinister feel to it. I feel like it did go a little bit too off the rails. I think casting Gina Davis, uh, spoiler alert, as an adult Reagan, um, that reveal was. See, I'm only I'm only a couple of episodes in, so. <laughs> Oh. No, but I, I kind of sense that's where they were maybe yeah. going with it, to but be fair. Her performance, obviously, she's Gina Davis, Davis but she's um, great, her yeah. performance is incredible. Um, yeah. But I, I, yeah, there's, there's, there's bits I like about the TV show, the bits are on. But I'll, obviously, it will come out, I'll go and watch it, and I'll have thoughts on it. And you can tune into this podcast and hear my thoughts on it when it does happen. Um, same with everything. But I feel like... Um, it, it's, it's a trend, a trend now. now. It is it's a trend, trend that, that we're going to be rehashing all. We're going to get all these franchises, uh, bring them into new light. light. I mean, it's, it's not, not a new trend. trend. It, ha- it has happened. Well, the, 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 the difference seems to be, whereas in the 2000s, I think we had just remake after reboots. remake after remake. Yeah. Now it's it's reboots. It's reimagining. Yeah. I mean, yeah. even the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is getting a continuation with the character of Sally coming back, although played by someone different because, unfortunately, <laughs> the which, original actress is dead. The thing is with that Texas Chainsaw Massacre is, is that... that it's a continuation of which part there's there's so many (laughs) I think that franchise is the most problematic I mean we've spoken about child's play and I mean we have I'd I'd argue you could literally split this franchise into sections and it'd be its own little franchises Um, there's so many different stories and threads being pulled through Um, but somehow it it manages to stay coherent and I think that's because of Mancini whereas with the Texas Chainsaw films um wow it's changed <laughs> all i can say yeah, yeah. I, I they don't uh, yeah i wouldn't be able to follow which one follows which one all i know is that the second one is sheer perfection to me it's uh yeah i think uh, it's, it's 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 a mixed bag isn't it I, I mean i personally probably hold up the texas chainsaw massacre remake as one of the best remakes out there oh yeah um, mm. that and friday the 13th i really enjoyed well, they, that as a remake both by the the same guy weren't they so yeah, yeah. i think you can tell like that to me was you get the grittiness you get the the, the grime and the feel of it um which is what you need so uh, i don't know i'm 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 going to say I don't think I'm the biggest fan of the news of, about The Exorcist. But on no, the no. subject of films getting sequels, reboots, or whatever, Sisters. Oh, my <laughs> God. Yesterday, Yesterday was, was 
just just it, it was just it, it was, was overwhelming. It was today. an emotional day for, yeah. for for you, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. but we got <laughs> our first official photo from Hocus Pocus 2 of the witches actually being back. We got to see them in full costume and makeup and hair and it was good god what a f***ing reveal. I needed that yesterday. Um, it is, yeah. They all look absolutely phenomenal. Um, it is insane to think it's it's well it's it's it came out the year i was born so 28 years ago so we're talking like almost 30 years i think that's the only thing that's kind of annoying me is the fact that this is going to come out on the 29th year and i'm kind of like however much i want it now yeah hold off (laughs) give it as on the 30th anniversary um but yeah insane they look insane um, I mean, we've, and we've had, had some, some casting, casting announcements, announcements from it. From um, it's, it's been confirmed that, uh, obviously, obviously the, the, the three witches are back, but we've had confirmation of Doug... That's going to say Doug Bradley then. Doug Jones. Doug Jones is back. Doug Jones is back. Very happy. Nothing on Thora Birch or Omri Katz yet. I'll say that. I think that's going to be... I don't think we will ever get any news. I think they might do something like a la Ghostbusters and, I don't know, these legacy characters either come back as different people cameoing or they will be back as their old self, probably in like the last reel. I don't I know, feel, I'm excited. I feel, like, I feel like the three of them wouldn't have come back. Not to say that they wouldn't, but I, I feel like if the script wasn't right, Bette Midler wouldn't have just... She won't take any old script. Yeah, I mean, she's she's freaking Bette Midler. I think out of the yeah. three of them as well, she is the one that just looks the absolute same uh, yeah. as well. Like, I mean, she has not aged. <laughs> and to say that she was probably the most mature of the group in the first film... She now like looks like the youngest. <laughs> it's kind of weird. Um, I'm, but, yeah, yeah. I'm, I can't wait for it. I, I'm, I can't wait to just watch it several times because it's uh, it's going to be released directly to Disney Plus, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Um, so so I, I will want to see it on a big screen somehow. I'll make it yeah. happen. I know a friend with a barn and a projector. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, watch party. I'm definitely inviting myself to that. So yeah. thank you. Um, but uh, yeah, I think does that does that wrap up gay news for for this? Yeah, month? yeah. For now, yeah, yeah. But we'll we'll, we'll uh, fill fill you guys in on any updates uh, on our on our Twitter pages if anything else happens. But um, recommendations. recommendations. Um, so by the time this airs, we will be closer and closer to the first December, which is World AIDS Day. Um, I'm currently reading a book um, that kind of blends queerness and horror in a harrowing and horrifying and haunting way. It's Red X by David Temchuk, um, and it's a horror novel uh, that is set during the AIDS crisis uh, in the 80s, but also spans decades afterwards. Um, that the writer, it's semi-autobiographical it was the writer said it was kind of like a coping mechanism to deal with losing so many friends and loved ones to this horrible horrible thing and create making it a monster made it easy to cope with so it's put that into novel form in between each chapter there's like a sem- there's an autobiographical mini essay in between each chapter oh wow okay Okay. Um, breaks the fourth wall a little bit where the author interacts with one of the characters from the book at one point as well. Um, it's 
gorgeous. It's, it's beautiful. It's brutal. It's, it's horrifying. It's, it's genuinely scary. scary. Um, it feels it like a really intimate book as well. So when I've been reading it on the train or I've been reading it out and about, I feel like I don't want people coming near me because this is something I want to keep for myself. But I, if you you'll be listening to this podcast because you love queerness and horror and this book blends both of those so that's red x by david temcher i don't know it must have obviously been a very horrific time and we've obviously seen in horror cinema a lot of of comments be made on the aids crisis in monstrous form but to mm-hmm. me it does make sense for there to be that that kind of embodiment it's, of it it's- the, the, the reason, reason why, why it's, it's so well written is because it is such a personal story for somebody who's had a lived-in experience. Yeah, lived through it. Yeah. yeah. Gosh. Okay. Uh, well, I, I will take take the recommendation, uh, and we'll obviously, yeah, maybe try and try and check that out by the next time we we get together because that sounds mm. quite quite interesting. Um, just being as consistent as ever, you recommend a book, I'm going to recommend a TV show because mm-hmm. you just seem to read and I just need seem to stay in front of the TV <laughs> all month. Um, mine isn't necessarily straight up horror, um, but again, has some hor- horrific elements to it. It's a new uh, TV series from Apple TV uh, called Invasion um, oh, and that just dropped uh, late October. I think the first episode was the 22nd of October or so but I think they dropped um, the first few episodes kind of like all in one go and I think we've had six up to now um, and I think we've only got seven or eight like as a whole Um, I think I'd probably say going into it you want to manage your expectations with a title like Invasion you're probably expecting like like an invasion um, yeah. and it to be like this grand scale uh, like Independence Day sort of thing and it really isn't um, I think for me personally and I don't think this is spoiling anything um, my I personally am a bit tired of seeing like the landmarks getting blown up and big alien yeah. spaceships and all yeah. of that um, uh, and I mean even to the point I think Roland Emmerich uh, another gay out there director who I'm a big fan of his work but he's just seems to hate architecture. Yeah, like he's just released, uh, or he's releasing, sorry, next next year, Moonfall, which I'm not going to lie, I'm going to go and see it because I just like seeing stuff get blown up. But at the same time, <laughs> like there's only so many times that a tidal wave is scary and and, and whatever. And this time yeah. it's the moon colliding with the earth. But for me, the the better parts of those kind of stories are like the human stories and where we see like how people react to to like this big news um an invasion essentially it's a globe spanning story so we have characters in japan characters in the uk in london uh, characters in america uh, it's like small town americana like um and in the middle east um i believe in afghanistan there's like soldiers who are there for for obviously the unrest and it's done really well it kind of it hits that nice spot of where something is starting to happen something's mm-hmm. kicking off um but we don't yet know if it's alien or not obviously right. as the series goes on it's kind of confirmed but um i've loved it so far the reason i've mentioned it is there is a queer storyline at the center of it as well with two prominent characters um and again it was done in a way that felt organic and true to the characters and Lovely. there are some aspects of um how obviously cultures accept queer identifying characters and and people and how that might be a bit more of a struggle sometimes than obviously this very real 
uh, threat that is then being unleashed upon them. So I'm really, really digging it so far. Um, like you said with the book, it's not finished yeah. yet, so it could go to shit in the last few episodes. <laughs> but um, so far, uh, I'm really, really enjoying it. Um, so I definitely recommend checking that out. I'm excited because I believe that... Um, in, I've had some great responses to my real-life grinder horror stories call-out, but I believe you've brought one to the table. So, as always, when it comes to climaxes, I like to finish last. So I'm letting you go first. I think it's yeah, it's, it's the way of the world for 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 some of us. Um, yeah, you've got to you've got to dim the lights. I, I don't think I'm going to do as good a job as you do, but I'm going to try. Now, this is just uh, from uh, a website called Issue. So it's an anonymous <laughs> grinder horror story. It's listed under a two-minute reads. This is entitled The Masked, the masked Man. man. <laughs> so he was, he was only, only 300, 300 feet away, away from, from my bedroom, bedroom when he messaged, he messaged me. me. He told, he me, told that me that his front door, door would be unlocked. Would be unlocked. I'll be, I'll waiting, be waiting, he said. He said. Intrigued, Intrigued, I walked I'll over to his house. house. As I entered, the first thing I noticed was his collection of porcelain dolls. I explored his house and found him in a dimly lit room. The walls were covered in plastic wrap, serving Dexter before he kills someone realness. Wearing a leather mask, he turned to me and I screamed and bolted out of his house. He then blocked me. <laughs> <laughs> I like I to think that you described my house that spot on. <laughs> I was going to say I had no idea that people wrote about like <laughs> how 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 I treated people. But okay, um, but yeah, that so sounds. It sounds like when he when he said leather mask, it made me. Think, have you ever seen the collector? Yeah. Absolutely love that film. So I don't know where that puts me on uh, yeah. on the weird scale, but um, yeah, it's. Uh, I feel right. Like when would you, when would you have been out? Because it was porcelain dolls for me. I'd have just, I'd have been out at that point. Like I'd have been running before we got to the mask bit. I mean, the thing is, right? You know, to people outside of like the community or like who experienced maybe this, mm. the fact that on the apps you know how many feet away people are. <laughs> also, the fact that it's quite normal to say, I'll be waiting and the door will be unlocked. That sort of thing. Like, I think to some people, there's the alarm bells. But no, we carry on. We get past the collection of porcelain dolls because we think, oh, okay, he might just be that kind of gay. And then, <laughs> yeah, I think the the plastic wrap was, is definitely like, okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, the plastic wrap. Yeah. yeah. But mm. I don't know. Um, I think, I, think my, I, might I might have been, been back, back in when I saw the plastic wrap because I, I fancy the shit out of Michael C. Hall as Dexter. <laughs> Each to their own. Each to their own, I guess. But uh, the, the candles are still lit. The lights are still dim. You take it away, Liam. You sit yourself back and get comfortable. Uh, there's also an anonymous story um, that's just called Gagged and Gagged Again. Picture it, Darby, 2021. He's just around the corner. I'm going to his house. I knock on the door. He answers the door. The candles on lit. Romantic, I think. We go upstairs. We take our clothes off. 
We start doing it. He inserts his into my mouth. Manages to reach the back. I start to feel sick. He starts peeing. I'm peeing again. And a continuous stream to which I start to throw up. A mixture of vomit and piss. I quickly jump back and put my clothes on again and start to leave. He gets up, in his hand, piss still streaming, running after me, trying to piss on me. I slam the door. I'm gone. I delete the grinder. <laughs> the fact that I didn't think you'd be able to top the uh, coffee story last month, but you somehow did in terms of growth factor is an achievement. Um, so thank you to whoever sent you that because Jesus Christ. What gets me is the idea of him, this bloke just running after somebody, dick in the hand, still peeing. <laughs> I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. Like a really, really shit water gun fight. It's, uh, I think that's uh, a slasher film in itself, isn't it? <laughs> the golden shower killer. But, uh, wow. Okay. Well, you've had it, guys. There was your fill for your, your grinder horror stories yeah, this you month. Yeah, quite literally. Yeah. You've got a double, double feature. <laughs> don't know where I'm going with this, but, um, it's crude. Um, but yeah, I suppose that, that concludes this month's episode. Of, what of the whirlwind we had everything we, we had have. killer dolls we had piss <laughs> in the back of your mouth <laughs> yeah we, we've we've had a lot what i think we've covered a lot <laughs> we had shout outs to shudder who should sponsor us and um <laughs> they definitely will after those those are <laughs> <stories. laughs> absolutely it's the sort of family <laughs> the family friendly content that we like to we like to see <laughs> um, but speaking of family friendly content obviously next month uh, we're moving into festive season I still don't want to acknowledge the fact that Halloween is finished but it has and we're moving on to more uh, seasonal times with with Christmas and the holidays coming around um, so next month's episode we're going to be taking on the cult classic that is Silent Night Deadly Night I um, wait. wait. <laughs> I think we might have to mention some of the sequels. Carpet day. <laughs> um, but uh, I- I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be yes. another campy, campy episode as usual. Um, but I just want to say thank you for another awesome episode this month, oh, nice. and thank you thank to you everyone are. listening at home as well. The responses has been really nice. We've got a lot of like nice messages from people. So oh, good. good. I've um. Good. I'm really happy with the response we've had um, to the people who um, slid into my DMs with the grinder horror stories. Thank you so much. Keep sending them in. Um, to yeah. that Liam, not this yeah, Liam, yeah. To, to that to Liam. Me, to me, because um, I'm getting so much joy every time I open my inbox and see something in there. Um, yeah, send me what you want in there. Um, news are welcome. You know what? I don't care if that's your grinder horror story. I'll make a story. About it. I am the horror story. <laughs> yeah. I'll give you a detailed, attached, a detailed um, photo description of whatever you send me in there. So don't worry. 
Sounds good. I'm looking forward to editing this and bleeping the absolute hell out of it, um, just because <laughs> of all of the absolute disgusting things we've we've mentioned. Um, but uh, yeah, it's been another another fun episode. We will be back then on the 21st of next month. Uh, as usual, you can find our individual socials in the description uh, below this episode. And please follow Super Freak Media if you want to keep up with some of the other stuff that we uh that we'll be releasing over the next month but other than that is anything else you want to say no uh, big I'm liam just, little um, liam <laughs> i want everybody, everybody to go and check out um take, take a look, look which is the latest super freak media short halloween um uh share wherever you can please if you do want to make your own reaction videos please do um i love watching a good reaction video um and, and I, I just, just do want to end, end it a little bit seriously, seriously as I mentioned before. before uh, the first of December, December uh, is, is World AIDS, AIDS Day, Day, and um, it's, it's important, important uh, still to know your status. status. Uh, remember, remember that U equals U, which means undetectable, means cannot pass HIV onto somebody if you have a low viral load. So read up on that. I'm not that well equipped to be giving you all the information, but check out. The Terence Higgins Trust, Trust, who are a great, great charity, charity who deal, deal a lot with HIV AIDS. And, and yeah. yeah. I'm going to see if I get this right. Closets are not for people, therefore, babysitter killers and monsters. Aye, that's Is the that one. right? Nailed yeah. it. Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> see you Bye. later. Bye. podcast on the super freak media podcast network to show your support be sure to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on and you can find us on social media in the links in the description of this episode thank you for listening